you can kill it in sales by doing ads on Facebook and only that and plowing all your money into that. Or you can go the long game, which is content and community. And if you go content and community, you will mop up customers by default, by building trust, but it's a much slower game, but it compounds much better. Guys, welcome back to The Bag Yourself Show. This week, I am incredibly excited to have on Dan Murray-Serta, the co-founder and CEO of Heights, the first ever brain care supplement. Uh, he's super exciting. He is the host of Secret Leaders. He runs the uh, Your Heights podcast, which is sensational. I listen to it every week. Um, he's, he's helping everyone to become the best version of themselves. And not only that, he had the fastest crowdfund raise, I think, in the history of mankind. I might be exaggerating, but I will say that it is. So look, um, less about me, more about you, Dan. So look, tell me, tell me about yourself and tell me how you got to where you are now. Yeah, so A, pleasure to be here. Thank you. B, loving all of your enthusiasm always. And then C, how did I get to be here? Um, so I've been nine years in entrepreneurship so far. Um, multiple failures, couple of successes, um, couple still going, which is good. Uh, so I guess like the, I, I, currently I've got two main companies. One is uh, one is Heights, of course, which is um, crowdfund and angel and venture backed. And I've got uh, Infamous Media, which is a podcast media company that is um, completely um, bootstrapped and growing nice and uh, nice and organically, which is nice. So I've still got experience on both sides of running two different types of companies. And um, how did I get to starting Heights, I guess, is the key question for people. Or why do I care about brain care, which is, I suppose, the more important question. And the answer is sadly very typical, which is I only started learning about why brain care is important after neglecting to look after my brain. So I was very nonchalant about, you know, essentially good wellness practices to do with my brain. But ultimately, the key... Um, the key trigger point for me was a bout of insomnia. So about two and a half, three years ago, I don't know why I said two and a half, it was about two and a half years ago, one and a half years ago. But anyway, about three and a half years ago now, I went through this period of six months of insomnia. So I literally couldn't sleep one night and everything was good in my life as well. So it's worth saying that I'd previously had mental health problems and been fine afterwards because I'd like been able to like understand what was going on get to the root cause of it you know depression caused by my dad dying or um you know burnout from working too hard so you just stop work or your body stops you working so all of these things and I went through this insomnia period and it was just debilitating but it was like six hardcore months um really chronic anxiety that came with it and I used to go into board meetings and I was running this company Grabble at the time which was like you know pretty successful we'd raise millions of pounds in venture funding and you know I had like a professional board and chairman and all this stuff and I'd be in the board meetings and I'd have to leave because I was having hot and cold sweats having massive panic attacks quite embarrassing stuff to be going through um and I tried all of the different things that I was told. So like I went to the doctor, but he gave me sleeping pills. I did like my research and you know I um, did sleep therapy, normal therapy. I tried calm and sleepier. I tried meditating. I was exercising regularly anyway. I thought I had a pretty good diet. Um, so all of these things, nothing would really work. So I was very confused as to what was going on. And in the end, um, I went for dinner with a friend and she said, have you heard of brain nutrition? And I was like, no, I have no idea what you're talking about. It sounds weird. Um, and she was like, well, just you should go see a dietitian. 
And I was like, I don't even know what a dietitian is, not like a nutritionist. And she was like, no, a dietitian deals with sick people and you clearly have a mental health problem because you can't sleep. So you need to see a dietitian. And I was like, ah, okay. So I did. And the dietitian literally diagnosed me in about a minute. She essentially completely called what I had, was very blunt and not very warm, but was like, I'm going to prescribe you these supplements. They are uh, DHA Omega-3, blueberry extract and B vitamin complex. And the reason for those was because they were specific. Like uh, DHA Omega-3, she was like, your brain is 60% fat and 90% of that fat is one compound, which is DHA. Two, blueberry extract, because it's an antioxidant, you can't sleep. Antioxidants help clean out your glymphatic system of your brain, which is essentially like helpful whilst you're sleeping. And then three, it's sort of like a washing machine she was describing it as. Car wash, rather, she said. Um, and then uh, B vitamins, because I was having a spike, you know, so I was, I was unable to like sustain any kind of sleep whatsoever. And so uh, she was like, you know, B vitamins are going to regulate your energy supply. So I thought this was all a load of crap because I had heard supplements were crap. I didn't really believe in them. Yeah. Um, I didn't really believe in any of this stuff at all. My trust had been eroded through Instagram, generally speaking, anyway. So I was just like, yeah, loss this off, but I'm going to do it because I'm desperate. Um, she made it very clear to me. She was like, I'm prescribing these particularly as well, because if I don't, you'll go to Holland and Barrett and Boots and you'll try and buy them there and they won't work. And I didn't really make any sense to me at the time, but the point being that there's a massive difference between a marketing claim that supplement manufacturers can put on their box and a scientific dosage you're meant to take that will have an impact in your body. So by prescribing them and making sure that I went and got like high quality ones, she was making sure I was getting a good dose. And incidentally, that cost me £110 to get those three supplements. But, you know, I literally went from not sleeping to within a week, sleeping till 7am for the first time, and um i never really looked back like that 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 moment was so big for me i my chronic anxiety went away completely um i remember calling her up and telling her how excited i was she's changed my life thank you so much etc cetera, etc cetera. you know all the platitudes on her um and she literally could not have cared less she was very nonchalant very irritated um, very exasperated is a better way of describing it. And I did question her. I was like, why like, why aren't you happy for me? Or why isn't this a big deal to you? Because this is like life-changing to me. And she said, mainly because she knew this would work. She knows this works. It's her job, right? She's a dietitian. She's like, I knew that you had a nutritional deficiency because you'd already told me about the five and a half months of psychological pain you've gone through, diagnosing everything. And she was like, just the amount of people that come into my clinic They've tried to diagnose their mental health problem with all the psychological things they can or for performers looking to do more that then say it's all about mindset. It's all about, you know, attitude. It's all about this. She's like, it is not all about that. It is that and nutrition. You are what you eat. And she's like, you know, we say that in society, but what do we really know? What do we really behave like? And so her whole thing was, I knew that this was going to be a problem for you. I knew that your brain was being underfed. Um, it's not easy to feed your brain a good diet and our, like, generally speaking, our um, nutrients in our diet, like in our whole food anyway, is, is pretty limited because of uh, over farming. So she was like, it is very, very common that I will prescribe people premium supplements and it cures everything quickly. And I just wish that less people would be so skeptical or at least do what they need to do to actually thrive. So this whole experience of her like exasperation or lack of care almost um about my situation and solving it just 
suddenly sparked all of these ideas in me about what an amazing brand opportunity there is here to find something where there's so much evidence in science because I started reading science papers and writing a newsletter on brain care, like what science says you can do to take care of your brain. And I sent it every week and I've sent it every week for the last 150 weeks, every Sunday, a little three minute newsletter that turns up. This is what science says you can do to take care of your brain and the link to the science journal. Um, there's not many places where, you know, you can find that much scientific evidence, but that little consumer understanding, right? So yeah. that to me presents as an entrepreneur, like a great brand opportunity to build trust and comms and community. And these are things that are, like really get me out of bed. So with my co-founder, Joel, you know, we just started exploring what this would look like. And, you know, neither of us are a nutritionist or a neuroscientist. And so we know our weaknesses, but like actually they were our strengths because we got to go in to this space asking all the questions like complete rookies and do it completely differently to everyone else. So that was really like the start, the trigger point as to why I'm interested in this because I want more people to take care of their brain. Um, if they can take care of their brain on a daily basis and nutrition is one of the lowest hanging fruits, it's not if you um, obviously try and eat that diet every day, it's quite expensive and time consuming, but also delicious, so each to their own. But for me, I'm time poor. I was neglecting my brain's health by neglecting the key things, the key nutrients that needed to thrive. So for me, a super consciously made high quality scientific back supplement was like a perfect solution, right? A busy urban professional that doesn't want to take his brain for granted. So it helps to be the customer, but it also helps massively to be able to identify the problem that exists and start to talk about how you can make it better. And I think one of those things is absolutely trust. I love that. I think, like, you know, it's, um, first of all, like, obviously, like, yeah, I, I, I can talk to you about nutrition and uh, performance and stuff all day. I'm obsessed with it. Um, but we're here to talk about startups. And I love the fact that, you know, people forget that, especially founders, people forget that, like, productivity doesn't, isn't about having, doing Pomodoro or about making lists and so forth. If you have more energy, you will be more productive. If you have a better night's sleep, you'll be able to concentrate more throughout the day and be more productive. And so it doesn't make any sense that people forget about it. And also your brain solves everything, right? That's what everything comes from. Well, it's it. your moneymaker, yeah. right? I mean, however, however you look at this, it is the thing that gives you your energy. It gives you your thoughts. It gives you your career. If you can think clearer because you're optimizing your brain power, if you think about it just from the point of view of a startup or a CEO just for a second, right? Like or any person that looking, uh, relevant a position, any person that's looking to do more in life. Ultimately, it comes down to decisions. So how can you give yourself the best chance of making the best decisions? Well, brain fog is not going to help that. Being tired is not going to help that. Having no energy isn't going to help that. Like, these are modern phenomenon issues of our time because we're overworked and overstressed all the time. But we're also underfed. And, you know, that evidence is coming out all the time. And I don't mean underfed in terms of calories, right? I literally mean in terms of nutrients. So this is like, for me, you know, for like on a personal level, this is one approach and only our entry approach, but this is one approach to a multitude of fascinating ways that we can help people take care of their brains. And um, starting your day by looking after your brain, by feeding it what it needs to thrive, which is like literally just a starting point, that is one easy way to create a daily habit of self-care. 
Um, but there are there are a bunch, but that is some something that we can do as a company to make that easy for you. I love that. I love that. And look, um, I'm gonna. You know, this is you didn't you haven't paid me to do this, but I'm gonna tell the story. Um, so after we, uh, we when we first met, you told me about this, and um, I wasn't a believer. I mean, I'm not. I'm de- I was definitely part of the nutrient, the uh, supplements gang. We're like, I need vitamins. I got it in my food. Yep. Um, but yeah, I you took- did say that at the time. I did. Yeah. So I was like, but I. Um, but I gave it a go. Okay, so I was like, look, I'll give this a go. And like you say quite openly, like it's like four weeks or so before you start to see an effect, like on average. And so um, I started taking them and I'm I'm not a bad sleeper, but I don't sleep a lot, yeah? Um, I've got kids, I'm something you're about to experience. So uh, that sleep you're having right now, forget about it. Um, but, the, uh, but I'm not a great sleeper when I'm in bed. And um, I started taking your supplements and within a month I was, and that's the only thing I changed in my life, I was getting an hour extra a night, an hour. That's quite a big difference um, yeah, it's it's, huge. and how, how it affects, affected me. And so... Um, so common. So common. It's one of our most common bits of feedback on the sleep. I mean, obviously, that's my journey that led to it. And actually, to understand like specifically what happens for your brain with sleep with our product, if you go to yourheights.com forward slash sleep, that particular page is all about this. But yeah, mate, it's such a common thing for us. Well, I was so into it that I bought every single employee in my company um, an annual subscription to it. So uh, let's... Um... It was it was hilarious because you, you, you did just start off a massive skeptic and then you became a customer and then you bought it for your whole company. I was like, I this is a man that's seeing the benefits. They Brilliant. all love it. They all love it as well. They're all in on it. Um, they do. So look, moving on a little bit, not, not about heights, but a couple of things I want to talk to you about because and our audience are going to love to hear about this because as I said just before the show, one thing that I look from the outside at you for, and something that I believe that you do better than anyone else in the game is your ability to garner attention in the right way, okay? So you, know, you run a couple of podcasts, you are an absolute master of that. Let's talk about specifically, let's talk about that mailing list. So you've been doing that for 150 weeks. Uh, I read it, I like it, okay? It's not very long. It's, it's easily digestible. But practically, how did you go from having, how many subscribers have you got now? Now we've got 72,000. 72,000 subscribers, it's mad. How do you go from having, I've got an idea to write a newsletter to having 72,000 people subscribe to your letter? How do you do that? How does that happen? Well, I'm definitely not going to be taking any credit um, for, the massive surge because that has actually been my colleague Daphne who's a head of growth who is just super smart at understanding what the core triggers are as to why people want things and 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 actually you know where I will take credit is we've been really conscious of where we spend our time and what our funnel looks like as a company so just I will answer your question just by saying this like we're a direct to consumer company so you can kill it in sales by doing ads on Facebook and only that and plowing all your money into that. Or you can go the long game, which is content and community. And if you go content and community, you will mop up customers by default by building trust, but it's a much slower game, but it compounds much better. So we told her, uh, not just we told her, like when we were hiring a head of growth, it was very much a, this is the funnel we're dedicated to even if it's cheaper to just get customers through selling ads on Facebook. And you have to do like retargeting and things like this anyway for brand awareness. But 
I, me and Joel were super, super clear to everyone that we would only, only, only be um, building this company as a community, right? And so that means building an audience. That means like once you've got an audience, how do you turn them into community and once you have a community how do you turn them into advocates this is really like what the funnel looks like and the top of the funnel is essentially that newsletter right so it is the ability to say to people would you like just think about how much more compelling this is would you like to learn for free how to take care of your brain according to science every week in under three minutes just one email that comes into your inbox every sunday it's nice and simple would you like me to explain to you how important brain nutrition is which you've never heard of, which you don't care about yet because no one cares about it yet because you haven't necessarily had a problem. And then do you want me to try and charge you for that product? There's just too much cynicism and too much lack of awareness of problem for that to actually be like a meaningful conversation. So the way that we approach this is we build community through communication. So we're like very science-backed then we understand where people are really consuming this information. So, and then we try and like simplify, right? Because there's a lot of complicated information out there. We're also really not trying to target and cater to like the 1% of the 1%. So, you know, we try and think about the way that we communicate things to people in really um, actionable ways. And let, let me give you an example. So we've just published our 10 pillars of brain care, which have basically been our brainchild for the last couple of years we've really been trying to identify like how do we how do we turn what we do into like a system that could not only become like the operating manual for what our company does like as in what, what products we might create in the future what kind of content we make what kind of habits we're trying to take people towards um but like is also meaningfully science-backed and from what we've learned from everything more likely to make an impact on how you take care of your brain now one of those pillars let's take for example movement right We've specifically put movement and and identified it as, you know, it can be 10 minutes of walking per day. Because once you become one of those brands that says you've got to go for a run every day, you've got to do your hit every day, you've got to do your Peloton every day, it's disengaging immediately for vast ways of the, of the population. And the job with brain care is, and this is the thing that companies do wrong all the time, in my opinion, you're not really catering to that 1% of customer that is going to do all the things that you tell them to do because they've got an amazing mindset. That's rare. You're rare. You personally are rare, Tom. So that's the thing. You you are, you know, you're in the army and you run a company and you're a performance mindset person, etc. The challenge and the opportunity is to get more people to do a little bit more to take care of their brain every single day. And that compounds. So just doing a little bit more every day has a massive compounding effect on how you actually feel your thoughts, your energy, and therefore your keys to success and your longevity. So we try so hard to break things down into ways that people will do actionable things rather than sort of catering to the extreme. Like, let's take breath work for a moment. Like, you know, we don't talk about, you know, you've got to do 10 minutes of breath work every day. We just literally do one exercise in our breath work, um, you know, examples, which are you know, breathing in for four, holding for seven and out for eight, I think it is. And the reality is, that takes 30 seconds, but it really helps you activate your parasympathetic nervous system and you can do it in just 30 seconds. So again, we're not about trying to turn you into like Dave Asprey or like uh, some kind of Uberman. We're just trying to say, 
If you do these little things every single day, you'll start to have a huge compounding effect. So I think the answer to your question is having a real perspective, first and foremost, about what type of company we want to be and the type of way that we want to communicate to people. Then, to be honest, being consistent is the real key. So and when I say consistent, I don't mean like always having the same message. I mean turning up every week. So just to take you through numbers, the first year, at the end of the first year of our newsletter, we had under 3,000 people um, subscribed. So, and just again, like six months in, I think we might have had two or 300 people subscribed. So compound growth, as Warren Buffett said, eighth wonder of the world, but totally true. So knowing that fact, it's all about turning up when you just can't be bothered. That's the trick to life, right? It's like, you know, this consistency game is about... If I miss a week, what does that say, right? And just because I don't feel like enough people are reading it or there's not enough growth, you know, there were weeks in the early days, like, you know, in the first six months where you'd gain five subscribers and lose 10 on one newsletter. And it's like, oh God, like mm. just can't bother to write this again. No one cares about taking care of their brain. But ultimately, it's got to come from the right place, right? Because I'm passionate about people caring about their brain. I believe you end up finding the right customers. You've got to do loads of hustle. You've got to find the right people. But I'm passionate that people should take care of their brain. And I believe that I will convince enough people of this by turning up and doing the work. And um, that also means identifying opportunities. So yes, our newsletter has been that great, like great, great platform for us. But also it identifies a key strength I have, which is writing. I enjoy writing. I like it. I like reading. I like writing. I think that's great. And Good. like definitely long form, long form over short form. So that is a skill that I have. So it was a skill that I could turn up and do in the company. How is our social media? It's decent, but it's not amazing. Like our Instagram and everything is so much better now that we've got someone doing it but like in the early days i just didn't stress about it i'm not very good at instagram i'm not very good at twitter i don't really know how to hack them for growth so i gave them barely any attention and i focused on the newsletter which outwardly when you don't know looks like you don't have a very popular company and people don't really know but let me ask you this what is a more powerful tool being able to post something on someone else's platform and not knowing whether they're going to see it or not based on an algorithm or owning the email addresses of an engaged community that are coming back to read your comms. It's an easy so, Yeah, so one is like ego, which is shit, our social media doesn't look popular enough, maybe we're not a cool brand. And the other is results. And I focused on results and also optimizing for my own skill set. So the next logical step came podcast because I've got a podcast and so I know how to do one. Um, so all the gear and some idea. So I just started doing a podcast, which I just, just, just looked at now. We started it only four months ago, we hit 250,000 downloads so far, which is pretty fast growth over four well, months. Well, as a podcaster, I'm jealous. Yeah, it's really impressive. I mean, that literally went in my board meeting today. Um, so I'm delighted. That's like over our target. I set an aggressive target of 200,000. We're at 250. In the current climate, marketing is hard. But do you know what isn't hard? making sure you never miss an episode of your favourite podcast. So tap the follow button on your podcast and you'll never miss out on the latest episodes of Unicorny or Marketing Difference. You can even go back and listen to our back catalogue of amazing episodes. If you do that, please leave us a review. It would mean so much. So can, I, can, I, can I ask you a couple of yeah. Sp yeah, specific questions here? Like, you know, I think, um, so what I'm taking away from this is like this, this is, 
I, first of all, I am so into the content game. I couldn't be more supportive of it. I say to people all the time, like, if you have a really good content strategy, watch how your blended CPI drops. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Just watch yeah. how. Just watch what happens. Okay. Um, yeah. And I used doing... to run a mobile business, so I know exactly what you're talking about too. Yeah. It makes a huge difference. Now. Yeah. Um, so cost per install for people listening. So if you um, now. I'm not, we're, we're here, we're about really functional questions and really specific answers. If I start writing a newsletter today, where do I find a subscriber? Now, of course, I'm going to be like, over time, I get that compounding. People are going to pass it on to someone else. Other people are going to read it. They're going to say, you should subscribe to this and so forth, and the audience gets bigger. So yeah, so that functional question is, that how do I find those first people who are going to do it? Because you need to build critical mass in order for something to become viral and grow. So where do I find that very first few people? That first, yeah, for you, it was like 250. Then it got up to like 3,000 and so forth. How do I get those first numbers to then see it grow exponentially? Yeah, um, I mean, it is a good question, but like, you know, who were the first customers? Like they were my mum, they were my girlfriend, they were my friends that I was forcing to read. And the thing is that's good with this stuff is, say you've got 15 friends, if you're lucky, that you can send your newsletter to and say like, guys, just support me, do this stuff because like I really need you to um, to be on point and be, and be supportive of me as much as you can. The reality is if you send it to 15 friends, three maybe stick around. But that's what you want. You want you don't want your 15 friends to stick around for the sake of sticking around. Like you really don't. Like you want the three to stick around and give you the feedback and you want the 12 people to tell you why they didn't as well so you can optimize. But don't read too much into that because they might also not be your target customers. Now the three that do, you need to find out the way that they're going to tell three friends because those three friends will suddenly become three target customers for you. And that's kind of how this stuff spreads. So I think people really overcomplicate this stuff when you're really brutal about your product, your positioning, your comms, you start to find out very clearly who this is for and who this is not, no matter what the no matter what the focus is. So it can be a game, it can be a newsletter, it can be anything. Um, but like the other side to this is like complete tenacity, right? So if I think about what I've done to get our newsletter to an audience it's like pissing in the wind like i have posted on linkedin and twitter and instagram all the fucking time non-stop with no likes and no one caring and no one interested and no feedback and no comments and nothing not no clicks and it's just like miserable but you just got to keep doing it because if you keep doing it people start to see that you're serious about this shit and you're like here to stay now don't get me wrong, sometimes the reason you're getting no feedback is because you're useless and everything you're doing is crap. So you need to be ner you need to be pushy enough to try and get feedback. Um, that's what I have been good at. I am really good at two things. One, um, like believing in the long game. So believing in that level of consistency, believing that consistency is incredibly important, believing that it's important for people to know when they can expect to hear from you and committing to that. And then the second is like being really, really, really good on the feedback, which is what was good, what wasn't, and not really accepting people not to give it to me. So I need to know what wasn't good. I need to know what was good. I need to know how to make it better. Um, we're really good culturally as a company about that. We're really good at challenging our assumptions. We're really good at trying to find essentially the truth. Yeah, I like that. I think also, I think it's not something I'm drilling into, which I like. So the two key lessons there, one is consistency and commitment. Like I, 
It's the same for everything. You know, if you go to the gym and your first time you try to do a pull-up, it doesn't happen, just keep going. Like, keep going, keep trying. You're going to get there. Same again for your... And I think commitment. you will get there, Tom. You just got to keep trying, mate. Nah, I'm all right. <laughs> but yeah, so, but like, it's, yeah, it is, it is true. It's really hard. Um, but one thing I think that I really like about what you're saying here is that self-awareness about what you're good at and what you're not, okay? Um, I hate social media. I, can't, I literally can't get on with it. Like, I'm not... I am incredibly vain, uh, but I'm not a showboater. I don't like, I don't need other people to validate me to, to tick boxes, but it is a very powerful tool. And so, you know, I create a podcast, like, you know, I do other things which help, which play to your strengths. Same again, like I enjoy pitching, I enjoy selling. And I love that, you're, that, that message you have there. I think that's true for everyone to have an awareness about what it is they're good at and not, don't try to put out that facade. And I think, you know, you're, you are genuine with your, you know, what you are good at. Two, sec, two, two cents more before I get on some more functional questions about startups because you're a bit of a guru. The podcast, you've got to 250,000 listens in about seven seconds. It's madness. And it is very good. The Kelly Holmes episode. Whoa, that woman. Yep. Um, She's wicked, she, isn't she? she wow. Um, I really, that's my, been my favorite, actually. I just loved her attitude. Um, what... How does that happen? How do you go from that to 250? Now, you had secret leaders. You, were, uh, you, you already know the game. Is there something else? Because it's, it's not from social media. That's not going to grow. Everyone knows. Actually, I believe in people who are listening to this and want to do their own podcast. I say to them, social media isn't going to help grow your podcast as much as you think it no, is. No, it doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't. It's not true. Uh, you know, I think it's, um, it's a mistake that people make all the time by thinking if I just plow it out on social media, I'm going to get loads of listens. It's not true. Um, what is, what is your, your advice on how to grow that podcast in such a competitive space? Because everyone has a podcast now. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. Agreed, agreed. Um, I mean, look, the, you can't use my hack because my hack was literally um, we've got a newsletter. And so I communicate yeah. on the newsletter and I make sure that we do really nice assets as well. So I make sure that we have a bit of a brand tone a brand feel and we always create like a 30 second i mean this is a social media thing but we create like a little 30 second teaser video and only that that doesn't tell you enough about the episode but creates enough intrigue that you want to see it the second hack that i have is on format so our format at the moment which i'm very proud of because it was my decision um and so i think i'm a genius but uh, <laughs> i seem to be validated um is 15 minute episodes um because people are just so time poor so the truth of the matter is you know i looked at secret leaders secret leaders number one business podcast in the uk and actually i'm being Europe, honest here Europe. super honest yeah. but i'm always honest yeah the world yeah. um so Damn, um, Harry Stebbins. Our <laughs> yeah screw you um the the he's actually awesome in fairness i love him love, love um He's really, really nice. And it's a great, it's, I mean, the people that he gets on is just awesome. But yeah, the, but it's, a bit different, it's a different format. So like, this is the thing. I, if I'm honest, I noticed that our consumption rate on Secret Leaders is about 70%. What does that mean? It means that a lot of people don't end, listen to the end of the episode. Those episodes are 45 minutes long, generally speaking. So that's no hard and fast rule, but it indicatively tells me that people are just time poor and can't really be bothered. So... I was like, well, what is the opposite? I'm trying to get people to take care of themselves. Like one is like, how do I get rich, which is secret leaders or this, right? Like how do I learn from someone successful so I can be more successful? That's like a lot of intrinsic motivation to stick around and listen to the gems that you might learn. But 
on how to take care of yourself, no one's got time for that. That's the reality. So I was like, unless we make this super snackable, no one's going to listen. And so that's what I think has happened. Like one of the main things that is a hack that people don't think about is the format of your show. How can you make it different? Um, so the short and snappy episodes. And by the way, I generally record like half hour interviews, 40 minute interviews, but I just split them up into two episodes. And I just make sure that the interviews are like sort of split around two different topics and we just do them quite quickly. So that's one thing. And then the other thing um, has actually been uh, like ad swaps. So just doing little swaps for people. So in the industry, like, you know, is this a podcast that I would listen to? Is it something relevant? Would you? Because we don't have any ads in the Brain Care podcast anyway. So this is the other benefit is obviously Secret Leaders. We sell ads. That is the business model. But on Brain Care, like that podcast is completely, it's just branded content that is like literally designed to help you take care of yourself. So technically speaking, the host can say, I'd suggest you have a listen to this podcast. And we do that for like limited period as well. We do it for like a couple of weeks agreement with the other podcasts. So it's not in there for like full stop forever, but like for a couple of weeks, there's a little spike of promotion for both of us and then it comes out again. So these are like little hacks that you can do, but like in general, um, Growing a podcast is very hard unless you have an audience um, already. Hey, yeah, I think it's something that, again, consistency and commitment, we're seeing the same thing. You do it for long enough, it's going to get better. Most people quit at seven. Yeah, Um, Yeah, yeah. 100%. Most people quit. You're right. That's it. Just keep going. Um, Okay, right. I've got three questions that I wanted to ask you uh, prior to the show, and we're going to, I know you've got to go, so we're going to do it quickly. Okay, um, short, snappy answer from the big man here. Okay, so you've had. You've had a number of businesses, as you said, some successful, some unsuccessful. What would you say to a first-time founder right now? Say like, okay, and I don't want to be like, don't make this mistake, do this one thing. You want to, what is, what is a process that you have learned throughout this process that you have become better of and has become more important? I say certainly one for me over the course of my startup career has been to just really understand where you want to get to, have a goal, figure out what you want to get out of this and why you're doing this. Because otherwise, if you don't know what that objective is, you're just going for no reason. You've got to know what mm. you want from this. That's my piece that I've learned about the process. Don't just do this because of, you know, oh, I just love being in a startup. It's not about that. You've got to figure out what it is and then what the reward you want from this is, whether that's be time mm. freedom, whether it be problem solving. What is your process? What is something that you've learned over this course of people? You say to people, this is something you need to consider significantly. And this is for founders, right? For founders, yeah. Yeah, so for me, it's it's absolutely get out the way as much as you can. Um, I do find ways of making that difficult for myself, despite having learned the lessons. But, um, you know, in my last startup, I felt very strongly, I had lots of people coming to me for quest- questions all the time, and I felt very strongly about being smart enough to have all the answers for them. And in the end, I just ended up with a massive bottleneck, not very empowered team members. And I'd essentially accidentally cultivated this this culture of a lack of, um, yeah, realistically, like a lack of accountability, a lack of decision making, a, a lack of like fear of, you know, a fear of risk taking and results. And a lot of that was due to me having good intentions, which is to be helpful to people. But executing it badly by not just saying like, well, what do you think we should do? Because I've hired you. You're the smart person. So I learned that the hard way. And this time around, I do try very hard and it is hard 
but I do try to get out of my team's way. I try to give suggestions and ask questions, but I definitely try not to be too imposing in their face. Um, you know, but it's like it's important to me. So yeah, my my lesson to people is don't try and have all the answers. Like try and or at least try and figure out what kind of leader is going to serve you, uh, your you and your company and your team best. For me, I think that's servant leadership. Um, because I'm very good at helping people. And so that suits my personality. And I'm also not the smartest person in the room. Like I'm not, I'm not just being modest. I'm really not, but I'm good at ideas, but I'm terrible at execution often. So, you know, having people that are like really good at execution, um, can like super help. Right. So I've, I've learned the hard way to, to get out of my way and to empower the people that I work with to make the decisions and fail if they need to, as long as they come with the lessons they learned, that's good. Fantastic. I, mate, inspired. I love that. Um, Clubhouse. I hate it, you know, because I spend too much time. I can't handle spending 45 minutes listening to people introduce themselves. Um, but um, you're an absolute black belt about it. Um, what, are your, what are your tips for people who want to get into the Clubhouse game? Um, so my tip with clubhouse is pretty much similar to my tip with everything which is um you should totally uh, a you shouldn't try and then stop something because you didn't find what you liked immediately so Tom. me so me with clubhouse. um but <laughs> but in terms of like doing something and committing to it i think it really helps like you said in your first share i think it helps a certain objective so I set myself an objective, which was literally what would happen if I went on Clubhouse for an hour a day for a week? What's going to happen? And by doing that, you know, by the way, I did some rooms where I was speaking, some rooms where I was just listening and I was learning. But, you know, that sprint for that week or whatever, I, I, I got to the end of it and I was like, oh, wow, I've grown like from zero to I don't know what it was, 500 followers or something. I was like, that's quite a lot, actually, um, considering, you know, what I've actually done and how much I've learned and I've enjoyed it. And yes, I went into some shit rooms, but like I learned what I didn't like about those rooms and I left them and I went and found ones that I did like. So, mm -hmm. you know, like anything on social media, it is what you make of it. Like too many people blame social media and don't blame their own time spent targeting yeah. what they want to find. Um, so on a personal level, I did that. And then the next week I was like, okay, well then that was enough for me to see. Why don't I see what happens if I go and do that again week two? And I went up to like something like 2000 followers. And anyway, this is like five weeks straight now. And I've been doing a bunch of stuff for Heights, which has been super powerful for us. So now we've got the Brain Care Club on Clubhouse is in the top five in nutrition and health and Boom. in psychology. So the three categories that we are ranked for um, globally got 35,000 members in our community so now that's like more than double our Instagram and it's probably it's more than our Instagram link, LinkedIn and Twitter combined over five weeks um, and my personal following is like you know almost at 30,000 which is now more than my LinkedIn Instagram Twitter over 10 years that's amazing that's well that's the DMS effect right there I mean I like that <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly so so this is the thing though like what I, what I say to people like people keep asking me like what strategy should I employ and I'm like the strategy that you can sustain. Like for me, I wouldn't be able to do this in my company, by the way, if it wasn't translating to meaningful, like meaningful yeah. connections, right? So like the number one metric we have at Heights, and I mentioned this at the earlier part of the episode, it's about building community. But we have not yet found a platform to do that well. So Clubhouse comes along and suddenly people start flocking to talk about brain care. And, um, you know, now 
is Brain Health Awareness Week. It's a global movement. And I got in touch with the organisation, literally on Saturday, by the way, to say it's Brain Health Awareness Week. We've got the biggest club on Clubhouse about the brain. And I've got the biggest following out of anyone that like does like brain chats. And I've already got these awesome chats coming up. Why don't you partner with us? And so they said, yeah, sure. And so they like literally partnered with Brain Care Club on Clubhouse. So now we're running all their official Brain Awareness Week rooms on Clubhouse, which I didn't even have to set up the content for. They've done all of that. So like there's like eight events happening from tomorrow to Saturday that are all happening in Brain Care Club, all because I had the chutzpah to get in touch with the organization and tell them they should be on Clubhouse and do this. And so they've organized all the speakers and done everything. All I've got to do is basically just turn up and put it in the rooms. So it's like a match made in heaven. But like, it's exactly how to sort of, you know, leverage opportunity when it comes to you and partner the right way. So because we've set up the company correctly, this is what I feel, because we've set up the company with a meaningful mission, which is that it's about helping people take care of their brain first. Product and sales are secondary because it's literally our secondary metric. Like in our fundraising and everything, we always say like our number one metric is size of community, which we can't monetize. But that's our main metric. And then our secondary metric is revenue. So because our company is set up that way, it meant that when I was able to go into our weekly sprints and say, hey guys, I just spent an hour a day on this thing called Clubhouse um, over the last week. And these were some of the results. I'm going to do it again next week. What do you think? And they're like, yeah, that sounds pretty promising. I went back the right. next week and it doubled. And the next week it had doubled. And I'm like, guys, by ne this time next week, if I do this one more time, we're going to have a bigger community on Clubhouse than we have on Instagram for the last year and a half. What do you say? And they're like, uh, dude, no brainer. Spend two hours. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So like you're like the team feel involved in this because you're like demonstrating the evidence. I wouldn't be doing it if it wasn't working. Yeah, so I, I think that. this is like, you know, a lot of compounding things that like make sense both with our company mission and wh where I like to spend time. And the thing I do like about Clubhouse, other than it is quite time consuming, which it is, but the thing I do like is it, it's engaging in real meaningful conversations and you can't fake it. It's real time. Yeah, so I get, I'm with you on that. Fake it. There's no yeah. hashtags. There's no outsourced agencies. There's no bots. There's none of this crap. It's just like human beings having meaningful conversations. And that I like that. That plays to my strengths. All right, you're hustling me here. All right, fine. I'll get back. On. I'll see what you do. All right, then, this has been. God, because I might have a baby. Um... Norway, if you've got babies. It's my recommendation. That's where <laughs> Why, I went. Because it's boring. Mate, no, what are you talking about? It's the best place on the planet. It's amazing. I just got a yeah, camera It's very back. beautiful. Oh. It's very beautiful for that. Yeah, for that, oh. exactly. It's not much fun in your 20s. So good. Um, so probably Portugal or somewhere nice and neutral and sunny and not too far, not too exciting, not too crazy, yeah. but like nice enough. I yeah. think somewhere safe and sensible would be the answer. So very boring. Well, we're in a world me, now but... where we can work from anywhere, buddy. So like it's not a holiday anymore. It's just working from somewhere it's, else. It, exactly, exactly. So probably Portugal. Yeah. Um, and what's your second question? Where can people go to find the best brain care supplement on the market? Mate, you don't need to pitch it. I'll put it in the link in the show notes. I'm sold. You've got like 25 customers off of me. I'm going to pitch this to I everyone. did. I think it's great. Genuinely, to my listeners, it is. it, it has worked for me. I don't want to be that guy that's pitching it and saying it is. But, you know, I'd already, uh, I, I put my money where my mouth is because it really does work. So, and if it doesn't work, it doesn't cost very much. <laughs> so it's fine. Yep. And you supported a startup and you did genuinely take care of your brain one way or another. You can't deny that. That is true. That is true. All right, buddy. This has been great. Thank you so much. I really appreciate awesome. it. Awesome. Thank you so much, Tom.